It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Welcome indeed here to The Inner Life. I'm Josh Raymond and glad to be with you here on this Wednesday. Thanks for joining us for this hour of spiritual direction where we try and understand some aspect of our faith a little better so that it allows us to live our faith out in a uh, just a fuller way. We try and understand how God might be speaking to us, leading in our lives, and we're all on this journey together. So again, glad to have you here for this hour of The Inner Life. Did you ever do something that you knew was right, even if you were fairly certain that you would face some rather unpleasant consequences because of your actions? Did you hesitate because of those consequences? Or did you not really worry about what would happen to you since you just knew it was the right thing to do? One of the greatest heroes of World War II is someone who made that kind of choice. He never fought on any battlefield against the Third Reich. He didn't ever put on a military uniform, yet he saved tens of thousands of lives because of his work over a couple of weeks in the late spring of 1940. Aristides de Sousa Mendes. He worked as a consular officer for Portugal. And Aristides, he and his wife, they had 14 children, and his work in different consulates, it took him and his family all around the world. Well, in 1940, at that point, Aristides was working at the Portuguese consulate in the city of Bordeaux in France. Portugal, it was officially neutral in the war, but Portugal's president and dictator was more of a sympathizer for the Nazis. Uh, His name is Salazar, and Salazar issued a directive titled Circular 14. And this document instructed all Portuguese diplomats, including Aristides, they were to deny safe passage or entry into Portugal for any refugees, explicitly naming Jews, Russians, and stateless persons who could not freely return to their countries of origin. But Aristides, he there in Bordeaux, he saw the thousands upon thousands of refugees waiting there in the city, hoping to obtain visas that would allow them to flee the Nazi persecution. So he started to issue as many visas as he possibly could in direct violation of that order from his government. Some of his family even spoke with him, saying this is a fatal mistake. There's going to be bad consequences because you're doing this. In response, Aristides, he said, and this is a quote from him, he, he said, I would rather stand with God against man than with man against God. And he set up an assembly line process for the visas. He was helped by his wife, by two of his sons, his secretary, and a few refugees. And for the next 12 days, this is from June 12th to June 23rd in 1940, Aristides, With the help of those that were there in that kind of assembly line process, he issued thousands of visas. And the exact number is not known, but it's estimated somewhere in the range of 30,000 visas. And one single visa, it could be used for a whole family. So the number of lives could be much larger than that 30,000 number. 
But once it was discovered what he was doing. There in France, Aristides was pulled from his post in Bordeaux, and he was ordered to return back to Lisbon in Portugal. And because of that act of defiance, Aristides was severely punished. He was stripped of his diplomatic position, and he was forbidden from earning a living. His children, they were blacklisted. They were prevented from attending university or finding any decent work. They had to look for work outside of the country. So they kind of scattered around the globe. And even the family's ancestral home, it was eventually repossessed by the bank. It was sold to cover their debts. And then many years later, almost 14 years after his actions, on April 3rd, 1954, Aristides de Sousa Mendez, he died in poverty, in disgrace, at a Franciscan hospital in Lisbon. He was even buried in a Franciscan tunic because he didn't have any clothes of his own. But even at the end of his life, he knew his actions had been justified in saving those thousands of innocent lives because he said toward the end of his life, and again, this is another quote, I could not have acted otherwise, and I therefore accept all that has befallen me with love. That's powerful, isn't it? Do you think you could have that same sort of attitude? Would you be willing to face financial ruin to do the right thing? Could you say the same thing as Aristides, that I would rather stand with God against man than with man against God? Would you follow your conscience even if it hurt your reputation? And even more than that, it would hurt your children and their ability to earn a living. It's not just you. It's your entire family that takes that hit. Well, today we want to spend this hour of the inner life talking about the role of our conscience. How can we be sure that we have a well-formed conscience? And when we choose the right thing, when we follow our conscience, how does that allow us to experience true spiritual freedom? I'm very glad to welcome back as our spiritual director today, Father Jay Mello. Father is a priest in the Diocese of Fall River, Massachusetts, and he is the pastor of St. Michael's and St. Joseph's parishes there in Fall River. Father Jay, welcome back to The Inner Life. Glad to have you here today. Thanks. Good to be back. Well, and uh, this is going to be one of those topics where it informs so much else that we uh, <laughs> that that we do in our lives with this area of conscience. And maybe before we get into some of the more detailed understanding of this, I'm always a big fan of starting out with defining terms. So while most of us probably have a general idea of what our conscience is. How does the church define conscience? So in the, in the catechism, right, in paragraph 1778, um, the church defines conscience as, as a judgment of reason whereby the human person recognizes the moral quality of a concrete act he is going to perform, is in the process of performing, or has already completed and all he says and does, man is obliged to follow faithfully what he knows to be just and right. It is by the judgment of his conscience that man perceives and recognizes the prescriptions of divine law. Right? Which is a bit academic of an answer. Correct. Right? <laughs> yes. Um, Can you help us unpack this? <laughs> of course. So we're going to go to uh, a great theologian in Jiminy Cricket. Right? So the... Uh, classic Disney film Pinocchio. Um, I'm sure many people remember it. 
Uh, at least they know the basis of the story, right? Of Pinocchio's nose grows every time he lies. But at the opening of that movie, we have this question of what is conscience, right? The, uh, the fairy has just made Pinocchio, who is a wooden puppet, into a real boy. And as he's all excited about not being a puppet, of having someone control him with strings, um, she tells him to, to make good decisions, right? To, to choose good over evil uh, and to follow his conscience. And he asks that very basic question, what is conscience? You have this cricket kind of up in the rafter somewhere listening to this conversation, sort of frustrated. Well, what do you mean, what is conscience? How do you not know what a conscience is? But it's a great question, right? I mean, many people, you, you can't identify it. It's not as clear as the nose in your face or, or your hand. It's something inside of us, something that we experience, that, that inner voice um, that guides our decisions. And so Jiminy, the cricket, um, gets commissioned to be the conscience or the voice to help Pinocchio make good decisions. Um, and then we see this whole movie unfolding as, as to what that looks like, right? Where um, when people get in trouble, when you're in a difficult situation, when there's temptation, when you, you've got two choices to make, and one seems more appealing and it, it, it's easier to follow and another is not as appealing, but it seems to have some value to it. Um, and that, that jingle, of Jimmy Cricket, you know, he goes through all of these different scenarios, and he says, just give a whistle, you know, or call upon your conscience when you're in all of these situations. So it's like when you're in trouble and you don't know what to do, give a little whistle. When, when you meet temptation and you have these urges are very strong, give a little whistle, call upon your conscience. Um, so I, I think when we're asking what is our conscience, it is that inner voice. Um, some people have identified it, you know, as you know, the voice of, of reason, or some have said, you know, it's the voice of their, their grandmother or the voice of their father inside of them, you know, um, because they've been formed from the time of a child to make decisions based on, on certain values, right? Um, I remember reading something that Pope John Paul II had said when he came here to uh, New England in the early 90s. And he says, it's one of the greatest pastoral problems of our time. You know, this widespread misunderstanding of conscience, right? Of, of our individual conscience, of our experience. Um, you have the teaching of the church in there. So you have all of these competing voices, right? You know, the old uh, cartoons depicted it so well, right? Where you've got someone sort of in a bit of a jam. They, they don't know what to do. And you've got an angel on one shoulder and the devil on the other. And you have two voices whispering in your ear, one in each ear, trying to influence the way you make your decision. Um, so our conscience is that moral compass inside of us that helps us to navigate through all of the moral decisions of our life. You know, going back to your example of Jiminy Cricket there, um, you know, the before we start even talking about a well-formed conscience, Pinocchio gets to a point where he's no longer listening to Jiminy. And <laughs> Jiminy at one point, and I forget exactly where it is, but he says, that's it. You're not listening. You're on your own from here. 
And, <laughs> you know, it, is that is that another kind of good theological lesson there, that if we stop listening to our conscience, it's not going to continue speaking to us? We have to, we have to practice that listening to be able to have that continued kind of nudge interiorly? Um, I, I don't think it's a black and white parallel, right? I mean, our conscience doesn't abandon us and say, I've had enough of you. Uh, however, our conscience can be drowned out, right? We, we can very easily allow all of those other voices to silence our conscience. And so what do we do? We're, we're in a sense, we're killing it. Um, and so can it be brought back to life? Well, of course it can, right? Um, because it's not a um a mortal thing you know it, it's attached to each of our souls um but i think when looking at that whole issue i, I think the the great reference that comes to my mind is pope benedict um and an expression that he very often used and, and he used it in the the homily uh for the conclave that eventually elected him to be um the pope uh, back in 2005 he referred to something called the dictatorship of relativism. And that basically means whatever is right for me is, is fine. It's true. Like I, I can define my own truth. So if I think that two plus two equals five, then two plus two equals five. If two plus two equals three for you, then that's fine. Well, clearly, you know, we're going to come into some huge problems when I go to get my paycheck or I go to pay my employees if we don't agree upon math. It's the same in the moral life. If we can't agree upon the things that are true in moral absolutes, we're going to find ourselves in absolute chaos. And I think that's what the kind of world that we're living in now is that we can't even clearly identify what a man is or what a woman is or what marriage is. And if everyone just decides, well, I feel this, then therefore my feeling should be the absolute truth, there's no room for conscience in there. And, yeah. and then we do, we, then we silence that conscience because conscience isn't our feelings or what's best for us. Uh, a well-formed conscience, I know we'll get to that in a second, guides us into becoming more like Christ. Right? A well-formed conscience helps us to truly become who we were created to be. So when Pinocchio doesn't follow his conscience, his nose grows, he goes to tail, he becomes a donkey, right? He, he's becoming an animal because he's following his animal instincts. When he follows his conscience, he becomes a real boy. And then I think that's where the parallel is so true. When we follow our impulses, our, our carnal desires, we become someone that we're not. But when we follow a well-formed conscience, when we follow those, those values and those virtues, um, that's when we be truly become who God created us to be. And that's where we can be truly alive and, and truly free to live life the way that God intended us to. You know, and so often our Lord yeah. uses the example of, of slavery, right? You know, when we, in the present day, when we think of slavery, we think of African-American slaves, you know, picking cotton in the South. But the idea of slavery is, is not free to, to do as we ought, is, is that we're enslaved to our passions, to our appetites, 
and not governed by reason or, or virtue or our conscience. Again, our spiritual director today here on The Inner Life, Father Jay Mello, and we are talking about understanding our conscience, what it means to have a well-formed conscience. Maybe you have a question about your conscience or having that well-formed conscience, following your conscience. You're welcome to call in and join the program here at 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. How have you worked to ensure that you do have a well-formed conscience? Or maybe... You came to a point at some place in your life where you realized, I have to kind of change my understanding of certain moral issues because your conscience wasn't in line with church teaching, with uh, truth. Uh, How did you work your way through that and come to a better understanding of how you really should change, how you needed to have that kind of a revised look at what your conscience was telling you. Again, our phone number, 888-914-9149. Father Jay, let's talk about then how we can ensure that we have a well-formed conscience so that when our conscience, when we have that kind of interior tug, I should do this or I should not do that, that we know that it's telling us the truth, that it's not misguiding, you know, misleading us. Sure. I, I think, you know, the Catechism uh, has a great paragraph um, on the, the formation of conscience in 1785, I think off the top of my head, uh, or 1783, because it talks about some real practical advice, right, in recognizing that, okay, it's, it's a nice thought a well-formed conscience, but, but what does that mean? Um, and so we are given some, some real practical advice uh, by that. And the first is um, praying to the Holy Spirit, right? Which may seem obvious, um, but the Holy Spirit enlightens us. The Holy Spirit teaches us. The Holy Spirit inspires us and, and motivates us. Um, and so the, the work of forming our conscience is not something that is done in a finite period of time and then it's over. I think the constant care of our conscience um, is like the constant care of, of our body. You can't just say, you know, I'm going to, you know, be healthy between the ages of 20 and 30 and then I'm just going to stop exercising and start eating healthy. You're going to notice some real side effects to that. The formation of our conscience is lifelong, but it obviously becomes easier with time. I mean, if you exercise every day of your life when you're 50 or 60, it's going to be a lot easier. I mean, if you start when you're 50 or 60 and try to run a 5K, it's going to be quite difficult. So in praying to the Holy Spirit, you know, the Holy Spirit continues to have that relationship, obviously, just through prayer. And in praying every day, we're opening ourselves up to to grace. We're opening ourselves up to um, that transforming power of the Holy Spirit and obviously the sacraments. But I think just asking the Holy Spirit, enlighten me, show me what I don't see. Um, it's sort of like having, you know, a, a trainer. You know, if you are an athlete and you're running a certain way or you're swinging a bat a certain way and you're not getting the results you want, sometimes a, a trainer, oftentimes, looking at that will say, well, this is what you're doing wrong and can point out those things. The Holy Spirit, in a sense, is our greatest spiritual director. Um, one of the other things, I think the most invaluable tool is the examination of conscience, um, where we spend some time each day 
or maybe more than once a day, and just reviewing our day. And, and that's looking at the conversations that we had, looking at the encounters that we had. You know, how was I as an employee today? How was I as a spouse today? How was I as a parent or a child today? And then asking basic questions. Was this pleasing to God? Was this respectful of those relationships? Uh, was it honorable? Was I a person of integrity? Um, and in asking those questions, we're going to very easily come to the conclusion, was I following my own desires, my own ego, my own pride, or was I really acting as a person that I, that I want to be? You know, so if Pinocchio takes a step back and looks at all of his behavior and asks himself the question, was I being a good boy? Well, clearly he can look at that from the outside and say no. Sometimes we're so close to ourselves in, in the moment that it's very difficult for us to see that. But when we take a moment or a few moments and reflect upon our day and examine our conscience, uh, and there's some beautiful guides. Um, it's not just saying, how did I do today? But asking some difficult questions. Um, and not just saying, was I a good person today? Or did I try my best today? But asking specific questions. You know, did I give 100% at work today? Did, was I pr mentally present to my children today? Um, was I attentive in prayer today? You know, what, you know, because it's very easy sometimes to sort of just check a box. Yes, I was at work. Yes, right. I was at dinner <laughs> yeah. with my child. But was I engaged in a conversation or was I on my uh -huh. phone? Did I show up late? I may have shown up on time for work, but did I spend the first 20 minutes scrolling social media? Right? We ask ourselves, am I being a good employee? And, and I think when we start asking those questions, it helps us to hold that conscience in check. Um, so I think it is. I think it's probably one of the most um, effective tools in developing a, a well-formed conscience. The, the next one is having well, Father, let me have you yep. let me have you hold that thought um, just because sure. we need to take a quick break here. But again, talking with Father Jay Mello here. Father is a priest in the Diocese of Fall River, Massachusetts. And we're talking about having a well-formed conscience, how we can develop that well-formed conscience, and how that allows us, it leads us to experience true spiritual freedom. And how has that happened in your life? Maybe doing that regular examination of conscience that Father Jay was just talking about. How has that helped you to experience that spiritual freedom? Or, you know, how are you working to ensure that you do have that well-formed well conscience? Maybe you have a question about your conscience and areas that just seem a little kind of unclear to you. And you're welcome to call in and speak with Father Jay, 888-914-9149, our email address, innerlifeatrelevantradio.com. And we'll be right back with more after this on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. The Relevant Radio studio line is sponsored by the Catholic Order of Foresters, flexible premium life insurance. For less than $12 a month, a 40-year-old can get a half million dollars of coverage. Go to RelevantRadio.com slash Forrester, an Illinois life insurance society not available in all states. A straight and narrow path, and if you start to slide, give a little whistle, give a little whistle. And always let your conscience be your guide. Did you watch that when you were young? <laughs> Pinocchio, Jiminy Cricket there. 
Hi, I'm Josh Raymond. Welcome back to The Inner Life. Uh, today we're talking with Father Jay Mello about the role of our conscience. And maybe you have a question about your conscience, uh, something that just seems unclear. As far as trying to discern right from wrong in certain areas of life, or uh, how have you been able to make it to a point where you have that well-formed conscience? You know, what was that process like for you in being able to work and work, kind of exercise that muscle of your conscience like Father Jay was talking about? 888-914-9149 is the phone number to call in here. 888-914-9149. Father, right before the break, you were talking about kind of the advice that we get from the catechism, some very practical advice, especially, you know, start with praying to the Holy Spirit, doing that regular daily examination of conscience. Um, You know, with some of that, I guess there's a couple of things that might be good to talk about here. One is we're never meant to be kind of isolated in the spiritual life, and it might be good to talk about the importance of having friends, maybe especially spiritually mature friends, you know, maybe further on the the path of their spiritual walk than we are, who can help us in examining, refining that formation of conscience? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember when I was in college at Franciscan University, um, we had the the household system, which is sort of like a baptized fraternity, and the one of the, the general ideas is that steel sharpens steel, right? That the, the brotherhood or the sisterhood that was being formed is that we're meant to encourage one another. We're meant to um, have that fraternal correction. When you, when you see someone, for example, if they're engaging in a conversation and it's about gossip or they're gossiping with someone, for someone to be able to say, hey, let's just let, let's get away from that. Right. Or let's say there's some other immoral behavior, excessive drinking or or drug use where someone can come in and say, that's just not who we are. It's just not it's not good for us. It's not good for you as an individual. You know, that that great expression, you know, friends don't let friends drink and drive. Right. Um, Having good friends, you care about a person, about their well-being, about their safety. And that's not just about their physical uh, well-being, but also about their moral, about their spiritual well-being as well. Um, we know it's easier to go to the gym at 5 a.m. if you're meeting a workout buddy there. You know, if you're doing it by yourself, it's easier to kind of slack off. So having people in our life, especially those who um, have done it already, you know, who are doing it well, not only inspire us, give us a great example, but can also challenge us. Um, and help us to grow. We, we call them mentors. And obviously, parents are the, the first teachers of their children in the ways of faith, you know, helping them to distinguish between right and wrong. You know, so when you're talking about forming those good habits of conscience, you, you think of a parent who says to a child, you know, don't forget to say thank you or say you're sorry. A parent is helping that child to form those good habits of making good decisions that we don't just, you know, get a gift from someone and not say thank you. Where a child might be very excited, want to tear the paper off that gift because they're excited about it. They're a child. It's a parent's job to teach them you, you first say thank you for that. Um, and it's the same with the moral life. As we get older um, and we find ourselves in 
difficult situations, obviously it's good to have a a mentor. And, and, and mentors come in all different capacities, right? Some people go to counselors to help them to see a situation maybe more clearly, to help them process thoughts or emotions. People will come to a priest if they're looking for guidance um, or a marriage counselor. That having someone else from the outside can oftentimes help us to see things more clearly because we're too close to ourselves, right? Um, and so having someone, whether it be a teacher, a friend, a spiritual director, um, is, is like that Catholic life coach, if you will, someone to, that you can go to, but it only works if you're being honest, right? Yeah. I remember one of the greatest pieces of advice that I was ever given when going into seminary to be brutally honest with your spiritual director. Um, because one, they're not there to judge us, they're there to help us, but they can only help us if we're being honest. Right, if I'm not feeling well and I know something's wrong on the inside and I don't tell my doctor about it, my doctor is never going to be able to treat me for it if he doesn't know. Because he's not a mind reader. He can't necessarily detect all those things unless I, I bring them up. Um, it's the same with a spiritual director or a mentor. Unless you bring those struggles to them clearly and honestly and humbly, then they can't really guide you. Um, and it's tough, right, because our pride gets involved. So no one wants to go to their confessor or their priest or spiritual director and kind of go down a list of ways that they've messed up morally. But if that person is going to help you, they, they can't help you if you come in and basically say you don't have any sins or you have no struggles, right? Um, so yeah. when we pray to the Holy Spirit for guidance, we also need to pray for humility and the ability to be honest. Um, but it's also, it makes us vulnerable, right? To open ourselves up before someone else and say, these are the things I'm struggling with. Um, how do I, how do I overcome them? How do I navigate through them? You know, and, and, and a big one obviously is, is sexual sin because it's such a, a strong passion of, of who we are. People struggling with all sorts of impurity. And so how do we turn to someone who has conquered these things and say, all right, what is the secret? What are things that have worked? What are things that haven't worked? Um, and I think that can be very helpful. Um, yeah, so we have the examination of our conscience, praying to the Holy Spirit, having those mentors um, to guide us. I mean, we think of some of the most sacred relationships that we have. You think of someone's relationship with their grandparent, right? And it is, it's such a, a blessed relationship. Right, because sometimes our parents, we just have that natural rebellion against them. Because they're our parents; they're the ones always telling us right from wrong. Where a grandparent, even if they were strict parents themselves, tend to be much more compassionate and understanding grandparents uh, with their, their grandchildren, um, and you, you're able to see that mentoring relationship blossom so much from those relationships. Um, so yeah, so, so finding a a good mentor whether that be a, a priest, yeah. a friend, someone, but someone clearly who's doing it themselves. Right. right? Like someone's well, not going to well, come to me to be their trainer in a gym. I would not be a good example. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. You want somebody who, who has the qualification. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I get it. I'm not, I'm not a trainer either. I, I mean, you know, you're a priest. I, I'm, I'm working here in radio. Uh, you know, if I was working at like a 24 hour fitness place, 
it'd be a different situation. But um, it, let's say that we're doing this, you know, that that we're we're seeking that help from some sort of spiritual mentor. Um, we are trying to do that regular examination of conscience. I also want to point out, uh, you know, if you're looking for an examination of conscience, really easy way to find one is go to the relevant radio app. And if you go to the app, open it up to the upper right-hand corner, you'll see a little button that you push. It just says pray. And if you push that pray button, and it'll give you a bunch of options for different prayers, but one is called Confession Helper. And if you go into that Confession Helper, you'll see one of the options there is an examination of conscience. Um, really, really easy way to find that and walk through that. Um, but let's say that we're doing that. You know, we've we've been trying to be very honest and open, but... How can we identify maybe there's one area that we, we're un, unaware where our conscience is not well-formed? You know, it's well-formed in a lot of other areas of life, of spirituality, but there's this one area it hasn't seemed to come up in our examination of conscience. We haven't been convicted about it in our own lives. It hasn't come up in any sort of way with somebody who might be helping in that mentor role. Any advice on how we can kind of identify those areas that maybe are kind of dormant, but they aren't well-formed, and we might have a misunderstanding of how we should look at that specific area? Yeah, I think sometimes you, we, well, oftentimes, all the time, you have to judge something by its roots, right? So you can say, okay, I'm praying, I'm a spiritual director, I'm examining my conscience, but there's still something missing, right? I think that's a great indicator of, of that. Um, if there are things um, like you still maybe find some selfishness, some, some pride, um, being self-absorbed, things like fear or complacency or other things there, it may be an indication that something's still missing, right? Um, and I, I think it's so helpful to be vulnerable again, in those conversations. Um, but I, I have personally found that when you pray to the Holy Spirit for clarity, the Holy Spirit is not going to let us down in that. The Holy Spirit is usually pretty sure. good, uh, especially when we go and we're, we sit in adoration, right? Because I think another um, struggle that many of us have is just the need for silence. Right? How often do we come into the home and, you know, we turn on the TV, call out to Alexa, we get in the car, turn on the radio, there's always noise. Um, when we go to adoration and have that opportunity to sit in silence, obviously before our Lord himself, in that silence, we enter into um, our, our inner self, right? That inner sanctuary where we can look at those things. And I can't think of many times where our Lord has not been abundantly clear in my own life uh, with, with those things because they're there. Um, and we can try sometimes to hide those things, but, and this is where the fruit of it is, is real happiness, right? And real joy and real just peace. And when we experience that anxiety, that constant nervousness or that unsettledness, we know something's wrong. And it's a question, do we want to look for it? Do we want to go after it? And if we know something's not right and we sit before our Lord, it's going to become clear to us what that is. You know, it's the story of, of the rich young man, right? Who comes to our Lord and says, what must I do? And the Lord says, follow the commandments and honor your parents. And so 
So from Tony, it's like, I'm doing all of these things, but there's still something missing. And the Lord says, go and sell everything you have. And he realizes that he has an attachment to this worldliness. And he goes away sad because he doesn't want to let that go. Right? Our Lord makes it very clear to him what his, his issue was. And I think it's the same thing. We go to our Lord and say, what must I do? Our Lord's going to tell us. And I think that's the real <laughs> the beauty of our relationship with our Lord. And, and, the, that, and hopefully that we don't walk we away sad. Well, yeah, well, because I, I think this is the next step of the whole idea of, of conscience, right? And the whole thing with Pinocchio. Knowing right from wrong is, is half the battle. Doing it is, is the next step, right? right? Because if we know the right thing to do, and we don't want to do it because it's hard, then we're going to be sad. You know, the, the great example that you, you started with of the, um, the Portuguese consulate of he knew what the right thing to do was. It was difficult. It was going to cost him everything to do what was right. But he did it because it was the right thing to do. And there were consequences to that. I please God, is he enjoying his eternal reward today for that courage, that faith, um, for that decision. But how often do people say, you know what, it's too great of a cost. Had that man said, you know what, I'm not risking my reputation, my home, my family, my children's future. One, we wouldn't know his name today. We wouldn't be talking about him. And he may have lived a life of being content and having all those things, but I'm willing to bet a lot of money that he would have been pretty sad and that he would have been eaten alive by knowing that he could have done right, that he could have done something extraordinary in someone else's life and didn't do it for his own selfish reasons. So Uh, knowing, knowing is the first part, doing it is the second Doing it is, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. If you know it and you don't do it, what good does knowing do <laughs> for you anyway? Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Talking with Father Jay Mello here today on The Inner Life. Uh, Father Jay is a priest in the Diocese of Fall River, Massachusetts, and we're talking about the role of our conscience and how we can have a well-formed conscience and not just stop there, but as Father was just saying, how that then guides us in our life and how has your conscience been that guide for you? Um, how have you been able to ensure that you have that well-formed conscience? Maybe you have a question about uh, having a well-formed conscience, about following your conscience. You're welcome to call in and speak with Father J. 888-914-9149 is our phone number. 888-914-9149. More to come right after this here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond, joined today by Father Jay Mello. He's the pastor of St. Michael's and St. Joseph's Parishes in Fall River, Massachusetts. Today talking about the role of our conscience, having a well-formed conscience. And you're welcome to call in with your questions at 888-914-9149. 888-914-9149. Also want to let you know because uh, August is National Make-A-Will Month. If you have not made a will, Relevant Radio has actually partnered with a company called Free Will to make 
the process of making a will absolutely free and it only takes about 20 minutes that's about it um, if you go to our website relevantradio.com slash free will you're able to do that there's no obligation there's no cost whatsoever um, if you want to leave a charitable donation in your will to relevant radio of course we would be so appreciative of that since we are listener supported and we're supported we're, we keep on working because of donations made by people like you um, but even that there's no requirement for that you don't have to leave anything for us it's just more of a public service for you so again uh, something wanted to make you aware of since this is national make a will month and again the place you can find that relevantradio.com slash free will again talking about our conscience here today on the inner life and our phone number 888-914-9149 uh, father we've talked a lot about the uh, you know having that well-formed conscience and one thing that I thought might be good to talk about st. Paul he has this section this is in his letter to the Romans it's in the 14th chapter and he talks about areas that are more up to personal judgment. And he's writing to the Jewish believers there about what is clean or what is unclean. And then he says for himself that he's convinced that nothing is unclean any longer. But then he says it is unclean for someone who thinks it is unclean. So if your brother is being hurt by what you eat... Your conduct is no longer in accord with love. Do not, because of your food, destroy him for whom Christ died. So it sounds like, you know, we've got these areas where there might be liberty that, you know, there isn't necessarily a firm teaching from the church that this is absolutely right or this is absolutely wrong. Um, you know, so I, I guess maybe like a modern day example is I have liberty to drink alcohol. You know, there, there's nothing inherently wrong about that but if somebody else sees drinking as a sinful activity you know and that might be because of past experience themselves or maybe family members that struggled with alcoholism and they've seen nothing but you know just problems come from that and so they see that as really being a sinful act then for them it is sinful and I shouldn't engage in that around them but they have to follow their conscience, but I have that liberty as long as I'm not being that bad witness, I guess, that, that person who would, you know, compromise their faith. I have that liberty. Am I understanding this correctly, what St. Paul is saying here? Yeah, I think St. Paul is ultimately talking about there is, is a real charity towards someone else, right? And that we, we have different experiences that play into all of this. Um, because I, I think it's a very slippery slope when we start saying what's sinful to me may not be sinful to you. Right. Like, yeah, that can, just gets back to I the dictatorship of relativism that you were mentioning earlier from Pope Benedict XVI. Sure, because I, I think one can say, out of charity, if you've got a friend who is a recovering alcoholic or who had a parent who's an alcoholic, that out of charity for them, I won't drink. It's not, it's not a sin for me not to drink. It's actually an act of charity to not do it around that person out of sensitivity to them. But if they say it's a sin for me, therefore it's a sin for you, that, that's not really what I don't think St. Paul is getting at. I think he is talking yeah. more about that compassion towards one another because the opposite, we don't want to get to the opposite side of someone saying, okay, that's a sin for you, but it's not a sin for me. So for, for you to, you know, leave work early. Okay. You may, that may be sinful for you, but I'm going to leave work early and that's not a sin for me. 
because we can't have both sides that we can't have that that relativism of what's right and wrong and that's the fourth part of formation of conscience is the guidance of the church right the church is our mother the church is not going to lead us astray and so we have this you know beautiful section of, of the catechism on morality that, that you know uses the ten commandments as sort of the, the backbone of that whole section and the church teaches us very clearly what is right and what is wrong and it's not a matter of just following these impositions from the church. The church is there to help guide us so that we have the freedom to choose right from wrong. It's sort of like a, a parent teaching their child what to do and what not to do. As that child gets older, they have those well-formed habits. So when a parent may seem like a nag to a child saying, it's nine o'clock, you have to go to bed, or you have to eat your vegetables, or they're doing that because they want their child to be well-formed. So then when the child is, is a, an adult, that child has a, a balanced way of life. And, and the church is the same thing. The church is saying, these are the principles that will help us to live a life that is pleasing to God. This is a life that will, in which we will be most happy. Right? And I think this is the real moral issue of, that we even see with conscience. This is why we see so much unhappiness. This is why we see so much drug abuse and alcohol abuse and depression because people are unhappy a lot of times because they're living just very sinful and moral lifestyles and they're becoming those donkeys. If you follow, get back to the analogy of, of Pinocchio and it may seem attractive. It may seem like these things are going to make us happy, but ultimately it leads us further away from the Lord and we were made for him and we were made for, yeah. for holiness well, with, uh, you know, that, that happiness idea there, too, you know, one of the things that we wanted to talk about here is the idea of it also, it's not only happiness, it allows you to have a true freedom, you know, and, and I think that also is what you're talking about here. We have this idea of freedom that that means I can do anything I want, but when we have true freedom, it's understanding that there are things that I don't want to do because those will, again, going back, it's not going to make me happy. It's not going to lead me to ultimate happiness. And when I have that goal of ultimate happiness, I have freedom inside the understanding of a well-formed conscience when it guides me <laughs> that I, I will I will have more freedom to do the right thing. And I'll, I'll probably see different options in different ways at different times of my life that I have multiple ways I can do the right thing, but I, I really do experience that freedom interiorly and that, that can transform not only me, but the world around me. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think if we're looking at that type of freedom, you know, using examples of playing a musical instrument or I don't have any musical ability, but like hitting a golf ball, for example. Anyone has the freedom to pick up a violin or a golf club and start swinging or start playing in any way. It's not going to look beautiful if you, do, if you don't do it well. Right? If I pick up a violin and start trying to use it, it's going to sound pretty awful because I don't know how to play a violin. I've never practiced it. But when you've put that effort in to, to learn the techniques, it makes something very beautiful. 
like with, with a golf club, if I take it and just start swinging away as hard as I can, the ball's going to go everywhere. I, I'm not going to enjoy the game. But if I understand the mechanics of, of the swing and I can do it well and the ball goes the way it's supposed to, there, there's a, a beauty to that. There, there's something that brings us real joy in doing it. The same with our moral life. If, if we are living our moral life and following our conscience, there's going to be that ease that comes from that. So there's someone who is musically inclined, who has put the effort into this and has that talent, can pick up a violin and with great freedom play and actually make music. But if you've never done that, you're just going to make noise. Father, uh, before we wrap up, you know, one of the things that might be good to talk about here is if we haven't been doing that examination of conscience, um, where do we start? You know, how, do, how can we kind of get into the routine, into the habit of that um, so that it's maybe not overwhelming at the beginning, but we can make it a, a part of our day. And, you know, it's, it's a habit that we don't <laughs> drop because it becomes too daunting after just two, three, four days of attempting. Sure. I, I think there are a couple of approaches. And first is asking yourself a question. Am I a morning person or am I a night person? What are you most alert? I, I tend to be more of a night person. So an examination of conscience works very well for me right before I go to bed. Other friends are morning people, and they can start off their day by examining the day before. Some people are neither. And, you know, their, their lunch break may be a great time. So it's just finding the time, first of all, that you're most alert, you're most free. We get that five, ten minutes of quiet time. And then find the examination of conscience. Go to the relevant radio app and, and find that one there. And just allow those questions to guide your, your meditation. Ask yourself a question and answer it honestly. But it's not just about asking the questions. Obviously, it's about making a resolution. So if right. you're saying, you know, question of am I being a good employee, and the answer is no, Okay, what am I going to do to change that? <laughs> right, what are next steps? That's exactly right. Yep. Uh, Father Jay, thanks so much for being with us here during this hour. My uh, before we conclude, uh, could I ask you to offer a blessing for our listeners? Got about 20 seconds here. Sure, through the intercession of our Blessed Mother, St. Joseph and St. Michael the Archangel, we ask the Lord's blessing upon all those who are listening and all of their families and for their attention. So may Almighty God bless you all. In the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks again, Father Jay, for being with us here. Uh, thank you to Patrick Alog, Cyrus Simcoe, Sarah Tafoya for their help in producing this hour of The Inner Life. Thank you for listening. The podcast, it'll be available at RelevantRadio.com or on the Relevant Radio app. And don't forget, you can find that examination of conscience there on the app as well. Uh, just click on that upper right corner of the pray button. We'll see you back here tomorrow on The Inner Life. Mass starts right now.